0: Warning you now. About two o'clock this morning, your brain's gonna go. Let all my worship, let all my praise. <laughs> Thank you, choir. Hey, I just want to take a minute. Oh, all right, go ahead. You're gonna do it. They didn't hear that anyway. They're out in the back chain, but. Um, hey if you're fairly new here I've met so many people that you've, you've just you've made ACAC your church home in the last year uh, I just want to piggyback on one of those announcements pastor Ross said this new here start here class is um, it's really for you it, it can be really hard I mean just one of the challenges being a large church like this four services on a weekend we recognize that um, connecting finding friends and community and family and figuring out where you fit in and so that's the purpose of this um, it is it, it's five weeks but uh, you can hop in and out and we have some great couples in our church that are going to lead that I'll come in you're going to get to find out some of the history who we are how to get connected and so um, again if, if that's you I just really encourage you to check that out so Uh, Week two of our series called Generous, God has more for me than me. And what we're talking about is that all of us have been blessed by God with time, talent, and treasure. And similarly to what we just sang or heard from our choir, that God desires us in all three of those areas for us to be like a river That we should channel those blessings of God that we receive down to other people. That we should be a blessing to others and be generous with those. Unlike the Dead Sea which holds and hoards all those things and has no outlets. We don't want to be Dead Sea people. We want to be river people. Well, today we're going to talk about that third T, treasure, our money. Somebody say money 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 you should have that song coming up here that's what I think about when I when I hear that now uh initially I wanted to call this series um the elephant in the room because and I what I love about that title is that's really how we treat or that's how we view the topic of money when it comes to church it's the big thing in the room that everybody sees and knows But we don't like to talk about it. it's a perfect description how we often feel when it comes to talking about money in the church But here's the thing this book the Bible actually has quite a bit to say about money and possessions In fact, there are nearly 2,000 verses in the Bible that deal um, with that very subject And while I don't necessarily agree with those who would say that Jesus talked about money more than any other topic I would agree that in the 39 parables, a parable is a story, and throughout the Gospels we find Jesus telling stories to communicate spiritual truths. He, he told them 39 times throughout the Gospel. In 11 of the 39 parables, he used money as an illustration. So nearly a third of the time when he was using an illustration, it referenced money. Why would Jesus do this? Especially because the people who were listening to Jesus teach weren't rich. So it's not like they had a lot of money. But yet he used money um, a lot of times in his illustration. Well, Jesus did that because he understands the significant role that money plays in our lives. I mean, think about this. We spend the majority of our time working, right? And why do we spend so much time working? What do we receive? Money. Money so the majority of our life is spent working for money so in a very real sense our money represents us so how we use our resources really reveals who we are it reveals what's important to us it reveals our priorities our values and it reveals our heart and if that's all true which i believe it is then we should not consider the topic of money the elephant in the room, but rather an important topic that we need to hear from God about. So today, we're going to look at a verse that's probably very familiar to you. Um, It's a verse that you've heard before, and these are Jesus' words where he said, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, put your money where you want your heart to be. That's what we're going to talk about today. Father in heaven, we thank you again for the privilege that we have to gather. Um, I just thank you for the joy and the spirit that's in this room, um, for your presence that comes and it brings us hope. It brings us peace. It brings healing. It um, brings transformation. So today, um, as we look to your word, uh, it's a subject that we get a little nervous about and um, it is the elephant in the room, but you have a lot to say. And so I pray that you would speak through me. Uh, The vessel that was chosen in this moment to teach on this topic. So, um, Spirit of God, remove any distractions. Anything that would cause us not to hear and receive what you want today. In the name of Jesus, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to look at the 12th chapter of Luke today. So, if you have your Bibles, you want to open that up, you can do that. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. And let me set the scene for you. Luke describes ...a scene where Jesus is preaching to thousands of people. So there's a large crowd and he's teaching. And there's some um, hustling and bustling. You can, you can kind of get the picture that they're cramped and they're, they're, everyone's fighting to get close to Jesus... ...because they want to they hear him. And Jesus is preaching to these thousands about subjects like heaven and hell. He preaches on judgment and forgiveness fear and faithfulness. So picture this scene, if you will. Thousands of people here, they're all fighting and trying to get closer to Jesus. Jesus is preaching on all those topics and then from the back this man kind of fights his way through. He bum rushes the stage, if you will, and he gets close to Jesus and in the middle of Jesus' sermon, he shouts out, Teacher, tell my brother to divide our inheritance with me. Now, I mean, it's awkward enough that he interrupts Jesus' message. But Jesus is preaching about fear and faithfulness, heaven and hell, judgment and forgiveness. And this guy is like, yo, bro, can you tell my brother to divide his inheritance to give me what's rightfully mine? And we're not given any background information on who this guy is or the details. But he's obviously in a legal battle with his brother over his dad's estate now we think that Jesus typically only got angry with the Pharisees or the Sadducees that he only became irritated with them but when you see Jesus's reply to this man I think you're going to see some frustration now as a preacher I'd be irritated if somebody just hopped up and asked me to to, you know do that but um, look what Jesus says to this man he replies man he kind of goes back hey bro who appointed me to be judge or an arbiter between you it's like what are you talking about here and then he turns to them speaking about the crowd and he says watch out he says be on your guard against all kind of greed because life does not consist of an abundance of possessions now Jesus was irritated not because the guy Interrupted his message he was irritated because the man was in a bad place greed had gripped his heart And from jesus jesus's perspective this man's obsession with money was a destructive sin Crippling him morally and spiritually. I mean think of this. He is standing in front of the son of god And he's asking about stuff Think of all the people that fought their way To get to jesus when he was here on earth think about the woman with the issue of blood who fought through the crowd she just wanted to touch the hem of jesus's garment why because she needed healing think about zacchaeus who climbed a tree to see jesus he needed salvation in his home all of these people who fought their way to jesus they needed healing they needed salvation their family needed it really important things but this dude finds his way and what's he want money He wants Jesus to settle a fight between his brother. Jesus then turns to the crowd. As he often did, he used a parable, he used a story to point out a spiritual truth for all believers then and for us today. And here's the parable that Jesus tells. He told them this parable The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. So take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now what were this rich rich man's priorities in the parable? Well, one, uh, Jesus says in the story that this man was yielding an abundant harvest. That his current storage barns weren't big enough. So he was going to tear those down. He was going to build bigger barns. And then he was going to save up plenty of grain for years so that he could retire and eat, drink, and be merry. Now, I know most of us, I don't think there are many farmers in here today. And you don't yield harvests. And you don't have barns that you're storing grain in. But let me put that in modern day terms. This guy was worried about his career he was he was being successful and he wanted to get that promotion he wanted to save up more money he wanted to invest it in 401ks and iras and all of these things and have enough money in the bank so that he could retire and eat drink and be merry. and some of you are thinking yeah that sounds pretty good yeah what's wrong with that well Nothing necessarily, although we see in this story, God's response is completely different than how you or I would respond. Jesus tells us in the parable that God says to that man, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Notice, Jesus doesn't call the man evil. He doesn't call him wicked He's not a horrible man. He says he's a fool. Now, why is he a fool? Because to this man, gaining more stuff, having bigger barns, having more money in the bank, you will, will make his life better. But the unfortunate thing is, all of that changed when he died. Because how many know none of that went with him? After telling this parable to the rich man in the crowd... Jesus drives this point home in this statement. Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, for me, but is not rich towards God. It's right here. Jesus tells the crowd and he tells us today that we don't have to spend time worrying about the material things of this world. That famous section in chapter Matthew where he says, don't worry. Pastor Kent Chevalier preached on this a couple weeks ago when he gave his testimony. How God takes care of the birds of the air and he feeds them. so too, if we seek first the kingdom of God, if we trust him, if we put what's important to God, if we seek after those things, everything that we need will be taken care of. Investing in God's kingdom. Now let me say this, because I know some of you are wrestling with this. You may be asking yourself the question, well, Pastor Allen, are you saying Jesus is against nice things? No, I'm not saying that. Jesus is not against you having nice clothes or driving a nice car. He's not against you investing in an IRA or 401K. He's not against you taking your family on a vacation. He's not saying you shouldn't work hard. You shouldn't save up. You shouldn't provide for your family. Yes, you should do those things. That's not what Jesus is saying. Here is what Jesus is saying. In fact, here is what he said in his very last statement in this sermon. This is what Jesus said. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus' point is in the midst of all of those things, understand that you better put your money where you want your heart to be. Jesus is saying your heart follows your money. It's not the other way around. But we often think it's reversed. We often think we put our money towards what's important to us. And Jesus is flipping it and saying, you've got it all wrong. Your heart follows where your checkbook goes. Jesus is trying to tell us that those things that have become important to us, they're important to us because it's where we direct and spend our money. And he wants us to put our money where we want our heart to rest and that's in the kingdom of God let me give you an illustration Um, how many of you play here you know what fantasy football is okay a few of us in here don't lie I know you play fantasy football (laughs) but there are a few that may not understand what that is so fantasy football is this Uh, throughout the football season the NFL season um, you have the opportunity to be a a a quasi owner general manager if you will and so you may have like 10 10 people who own a team and um, you draft players in the NFL and so you draft a quarterback a couple running backs wide receiver defense all of that and then based upon how they do throughout the season you're going to head to head against other owners so you're kind of guessing who's going to have a great season and um, here's the problem a couple years ago uh, well I've been in a league with my dad and my family for about 25 years and a couple years ago I drafted Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback. Here's the problem. I can't stand the Baltimore Ravens. I'm a Steelers fan. So twice a year, um, there's a problem that happens. Because I want Lamar Jackson to throw five TDs and run for three more. But I want the Steelers to win. So I'm praying for like a 55 to 54 Steeler win, but Lamar does really well. How many of you know I'm talking about? Now, why do I even care about Lamar Jackson? Because I drafted him. Let me give you maybe a better example. Some of you who have resources and you do invest financially in like 401Ks and all those kind of things, whether maybe you invest in Apple or Microsoft, uh, Amazon, Tesla, whatever it may be. When you do that, how many of you invest money into those companies and the news pops up and there's a ticker about Apple or about IBM or whatever it may be, your attention goes whoop. Why? You care about it because you invested money. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying where you put your money, your heart follows. So put your money where you want your heart to be. There's a prayer that I often hear uh, Christians pray. I, I myself have prayed this prayer before. Have any of you ever heard or prayed, uh, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours? Right? And the idea of that is you want your heart, you want to be concerned with the things that are important to God jesus tells us how to do that he says if you invest your money if you invest your treasure invest your resources in things that are important to god your heart is going to be there just like it would if you invested in ibm or tesla do you get the point your heart follows your money so practically speaking how do we do this i want to close by giving you three good ways to practice this in your life. To make sure that your heart is moving towards the things of God. How should we as Jesus followers, how do we put our money, invest our money in the things of God? Here's the first one. We give to the local church. Now let me make this statement. You should not give only to the local church. But you should give first to the local church. Why? The church of Jesus Christ is God's plan A. The church of Jesus Christ was birthed in Acts chapter 2. If you read Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, you'll find believers giving of their resources, giving uh, of their money to the officers who they elected to lead the church. And God used the local church to accomplish his purpose in the book of Acts. God uses the, the local church and the global church to accomplish his purposes. And so it was through the church that they accomplished the things that God was calling them to do. So first and foremost, we should give our money, we should give our resources to local, the local church. Now some of you may be visiting today and ACAC is not your local church. So whatever your local church is, that's where you should give your money. But for those of you that are here at ACAC, it is important to give to the local church. Now, the million-dollar question is, well, Pastor Allen, how much are you telling me to give? Okay? Those of you that are, have been to ACAC a long time or you've heard me preach on this, you know where I'm going to go. We do not teach the principle of tithing here at ACAC, um, which is a surprise to some. And I'm going to explain why in a minute. The principle of tithing comes from the Old Testament where you give a tenth, 10% of everything you earn to God. In fact, growing up, I heard, and many of you have heard this, the tenth, that's God's money. Don't touch God's money. That tenth, that, that's God's. You know what I'm talking about? Don't rob God. Okay? Um, let me tell you why we don't teach tithing and why I don't believe um, God has called us to tithe. One, the tithe comes from Mosaic Law in the Old Testament. We do not live under the Mosaic Law. We live in a new covenant since Jesus' death, uh, burial, and resurrection. Okay? So we don't live under the Mosaic Law. I don't believe we live under the tithe. We live in the new covenant, and then in the new covenant, in the new testament, everything is elevated. Let me give you an illustration of what I mean. In Matthew chapter 5, there's a sermon where Jesus preaches. And he uses the same phrase over and over again. How many know that there's a time where Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say this. You know what I'm talking about? You have heard it said this, and then I have said this. And he does this teaching back and forth. One of those is in regards to murder. He goes, you have heard it said, do not murder, which is really important. We should not murder. But then Jesus says, you have heard it said, do not murder, but I say, do not be angry he's like it's not enough okay you didn't murder anybody but you murdered him with your words you murdered him with your thoughts jesus say no i'm concerned about the heart see how he elevated it now he goes back again you have heard it said do not commit adultery but i tell you do not lust in your heart so it's not enough that you just don't do the deed You, The way you think, what's in your heart, he elevates it. It's so much more important. So when it comes to giving, yes, the Israelites were under a tithe and they gave 10%. But in the New Testament, Jesus says, guess what? Everything you have is mine. Everything you have is God's. Everything. So we are stewards of all that God has. He elevates our giving. He said all of it, not just the 10th. Now, let me go back to the tithe, because some of you I know, you were born and raised, and we have people in here in tithe. And believe me, I'm not going to say, hey, don't tithe. If you want to write a 10% check on a weekly basis, ACAC will cash that check. <laughs> but you do need to know this. If you're tithing, if you're going to live under the law, Mosaic Law of 10%, um, you're incorrect on your percentages. If you actually go back and you read what that tithe was, it was 22, half percent so just double it, and then you'll be—you'll be right there. Now, let me finish on this. Um, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who wrote uh, a third of our New Testament, he wrote letters. A lot of our liturgy, a lot of the—the—the. The, the, uh, doctrinal theology that we use in our worship comes from the apostle paul nowhere in the new testament does paul tell timothy does paul pe- tell the church hey make sure you're teaching make sure everyone is giving the christians are giving 10 percent. he does not teach the tithe rather in his teaching second corinthians chapter 9 he says you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure in that same letter he says give in proportion to what you have whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly nowhere does paul give his readers an external measurable standard of giving so again pastor allen how much are you saying i should give i don't know that's between you and god the first marker of our dna is that we are spirit-led And so when it comes to giving, we too should be spirit-led. But I'm going to warn you. For some of you who are tithing, you're like, I'm going to pray and I'm going to be spirit-led. Be careful what you pray for. Because there are many people in this room that are spirit-led givers, and they give far beyond 10%. Because in obedience to God, just as our worship is sacrifice, our giving is a part of that worship, and he will call us to give sacrificially. So we give. Giving is about the heart. If you want to start with the tithe, and the tithe is a great place for those that... To begin, if, if you haven't ever given before and you want to set, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dedicate, I, feel, I really feel God calling me to challenge me in this area of generosity and giving, and you want to set that bar at 10%, that's fine. The point is not the percentage. The point is what's in your heart. It's not an invoice that we pay. It's not a a bill that we get like we do from the water company or electric company. God wants our heart. And he's saying to us, wherever you put your money, your heart is going to follow. So just be in obedience to him. But God has called us to give to the local church. God has also called us to give to missions. If you want your heart to be moved by the things that move God's heart, then give to the efforts of sharing the good news of Jesus. God hasn't called all of us to go to other parts of the world to be missionaries, but he has called us to evangelize. And so if missions is important to us, which it should, it's our job description to share the good news of the gospel, then we should be investing our resources and investing our money in the spreading of the good news. Now, we don't talk about this very often. Probably should do a better job of communicating it, but something specifically here at ACAC, we have two funds One is the general fund, where most of you, when this offering comes, probably 90% of it goes to the general fund. And that's to pay the electric bill for us to continue the ministries that happen in our kids and students and the community, pay salaries, all of those kind of things. But then we have a second fund that's called the Great Commission Fund. And all of the money that's there, solely, 100% of it, all goes towards spreading the good news of the gospel. Do you know that we give a million dollars or more every year as a church to the Great Commission Fund? It has been the history long before me. This, This church has an amazing history of financially supporting and giving to missions. So, just as you give, consider giving to missions if you want your heart to be moved towards the things of god put your money where you want your heart to be here's the last one we need to give not only to the local church not only to missions but we give to those in need remember i said we give to the local church but we shouldn't give only to the local church my wife and i practice that in our life there are children that we support. There are missions organizations we support. There are missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. And when we see people in need, sometimes my wife and I will, will become aware of a need, whether it's in the church or friends or family, whatever it may be. And we'll say, hey, babe, I want you to pray about it? What, is it. what is it that we should give? All of us should have that kind of heart. Let me tell you a personal story. never shared this before. Um... I was probably 12 years old, we were living in Fort Wayne, Indiana at the time. My dad was out of ministry, Um, he wasn't pastoring at the time, and um, he was just finding work. And uh, my dad's a contractor now, and um, it wasn't always like this. Uh, And again, I'm 12 years old, my brothers and my sister are a lot younger, so they're not aware of what's going on, and and truly I wasn't either at 12 years old, but um, finances were, we were hurting, we were hurting. And it was a Sunday night, maybe around 7 or 8 o'clock. Uh, there was a knock at the door, and this family, the Ellingtons, Mark and Rena Ellington. I haven't seen them or talked to them in years, but I know who they are. And uh, they showed up at our house. The next thing you know, I know, um, like 12, 13 bags of groceries are coming in our house. And as a 12-year-old kid, I had no idea. I'm like, why are they bringing groceries to us? I had no idea that we had empty cupboards. All I know is Lucky Charms and Fruity Petals showed up. And I saw tears in my mom and dad's face. See, God had spoke to that family. And they were obedient. They were giving to their local church. I'm sure they gave to other people. But they saw a family in need in that moment. Christ followers, we should do that on a regular basis all of you are probably aware of families of neighbors and i'm not talking christians i'm just people in need but god remove the scales from our eyes remove the concrete walls that are around our heart that when we see something we just don't say i'm gonna pray for that or i'll brother or sister i'll keep that let's open our pocketbook and actually do something that happened in the early church it's not the only way or the only reason, but it's one of the reasons the gospel spread so quickly. Because the early Christians, the first followers of Jesus, were the most generous people in the world. In fact, so much so, it was in the 4th century. The emperor at the time, his name was nickname was Julian the Apostate. What a great name. He hated Christians. He wanted to see Christians eliminated, exterminated wanted nothing to do with christianity and in a moment of vulnerability but a moment of honesty it was recorded that julian the apostate said this about christians he said these christians are not only taking care of their own needs they're taking care of the needs within the empire they were feeding the poor they were taking care of orphans they were taking care of widows could you imagine What if the church in America, what if followers of Jesus in America didn't just take care of their own, but they took care of the needs in the community and the needs of the city? What if the followers of Jesus in America overflowed with generosity in a way that the president of the United States had to say in the state of the union, you know what? We just need to close down all the governmental programs that help people because the church of Jesus Christ in America is taking care of it. We can't even wrap our minds around that. I, I, it just—it's—it's it's unfathomable. But that's what happened in the early church. Imagine how churches across this nation would be packed. People would be drawn to Christianity because there's something different in us. Jesus is telling us, as he told that crowd and as he told that man, "Put your money where you want your heart to be." Put it in the things of God. Stand to your feet this morning. Would you take your hands and put them like this? If you would, I want you to agree in this prayer with me. Father... Everything I have is yours Not just 10% (laughs) Everything, every dime, every penny And Lord, I recognize you have called me to be your financial manager here on earth Now you've given all of us different amounts Some a lot, some a little But the question is not how much should I give But how much should I keep And what do you want me to do with this? So I pray that you would open my eyes and my heart. God, I want to invest in the things that matter eternally so that my heart flows there. If there are things in my life that have become idols, if, um, if greed has gripped my heart, if materialism, consumerism, Lord, if any way, would you just reveal that in me? Lord, I pray for husbands and wives today that they would be put on the same page. God, I pray for us as parents that we would teach our kids to be generous at a young age. Lord, I pray for us as a church that, Lord, one of the greatest testimonies that we have would be that we care for those in need. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Before you leave, I want to challenge you. The Holy Spirit put this in my heart at last night's service, and I believe there are some at each of the service that this message is for you. It's about missions. Um, We do short-term missions trips here, and this church has sent out over 100 missionaries throughout its history. And when you go on a missions trip, when you go out of the country, it's not about what you receive. It's about giving. Um, It's about sharing the good news. It's about being a blessing. However... Having been on a lot, I I know what it does in your heart as well. There are some that you've never been out of Pittsburgh. You've never been out of Pennsylvania. You've never been out of America. And one of the greatest things that will take those scales off your eyes, that will remove that concrete wall around your heart, is to expose yourself to what the rest of the world is like. We are a blessed people, we're spoiled. I don't care how much money you have in your bank. You think you're poor right now? There's a majority of the world that has no idea where their next meal's coming from, that are living, find, trying to find a place to live. So if that's you, um, God may be calling you to go on a short term missions trip to expose that in your life. Amen. Hey, let's be generous and be all that God has called us to be. God bless you. You're dismissed.